Let's talk about the concept of appearances and loyalty and the ever-sought-after puzzle gut in The Gilded Six Bits by Zora Neale Hurston today. Ooh, this one is gonna be delicious. <laughs> mm. Welcome to the Codex Cantina, where I am Una. And I am Gilded Crypto. If you are new to the Codex Cantina, we dive into some of the most important works available that have influenced even to today's authors. If you are down for a conversational approach, please make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us on the journey. And as always, we start off with publication information. And the story is published in 1933. And we'll leave a link down in the description below where you can read for free. So Zora Neale Hurston lit up the Harlem Renaissance with her literature, and she was raised Baptist. But upon reaching a college age, she kind of started to step back from religion and even said no to organized religion and her college years. Yeah, but although that happens, she definitely continues to tie in all these biblical elements into the story. So in terms of themes for this story, we do have a lot of biblical elements and we do have a lot of joy. There's a ton of joy and happiness in the beginning of this story. And then we crumble into suffering and suffering and suffering, right? <laughs> and then ultimately maybe forgiveness. And that's part of the theme that appearances aren't always what they seem. Yeah, and that's where we get the term gilded from so crypto our historian give me a quick 15 second overview of what gilded means so we kind of need to talk about two things for gilded first we'll start off the definition that gilded usually refers to something that is overlaid or covered with gold or gold appearance and the thing underneath is not of great value and people may be wondering by today's modern standards what is six bits so the historical aspect of this is that during this time period of the great depression franklin roosevelt the president is having everybody move off of the gold standard where we're no longer backing our money with gold sort of similar kind of the story is that what appears to be gold isn't quite as valuable as maybe as it should be so let's move into our plot before we go into our analysis so missy may awaits for our narrator joe to return home he kind of very playfully throws money upon returning her gives her some of the candy kisses she's you know Dishes through his pockets like a gold digger, just saying. And uh, they have a very <laughs> loving on the outside appearance relationship. Into town moves Otis D. Slemons, that slick Chicago rich black man. And Joe cannot help but notice his puzzle gut. Puzzle gut? <laughs> the idea is that he can't afford and lavish his wife with wealth the way that Otis can, but he can lavish her with affection and love. And it's really played up and cranked up to 10, the, the loving relationship as they claim that they love no one else except uh, each other, except uh, until the next scene, right? <laughs> yeah, when he starts parading her around saying, hey, look at my wife. Because in the next scene, after parading her around with in front of Otis D. Slemons, the rich man, what happens? He comes home and finds her in bed with, with that man. And uh, she claims it was to kind of get money. And he left her like a little half dollar behind. While there was an initial outburst of anger, Joe kind of has this very strange moment of acceptance. And what could kind of cause that for them just to go to bed? And he wakes up the next day and just says, Missy, why ain't you having breakfast, right? And uh, he's carrying around this this money that Slemons had left behind. And uh, eventually they kind of reconcile and they make love. And that's when he gives her the coin back and kind of reconnect on a relationship after, you know, some struggles. But eventually that leads to a baby, right? And at first, Joe's a little concerned of, is the baby his or is it Slemons' child? But after the baby's born, everyone kind of assures him that it looks like him. And the relationship is kind of repaired, restored for the most part. And uh, I think most readers will come away with the idea of a happy ending, but I think the ending can be up for a little bit of discussion. 
Oh, come on. It's definitely a happy ending. He forgives her. They end up in love again. I'm the ever optimist. Even I saw that. <laughs> you are the pessimist who claims to be a realist. So let's move on with this. <laughs> the opening line, I won't say this word, but it was a black yard around a black house in a black settlement. And then the house was painted all white with white cement, white fence, et cetera, et cetera. Crypto, how did you take this juxtaposition of black and white colors? Yeah, so I think what this is probably she's trying to mean with, you know, the black and the white is maybe like good and evil is she's trying to, you know, set up these two sides of the story of, you know, uh, Slemons and Joe. That's a good point. You could take it of Slemons versus Joe. You could take it of the wife and Joe, too, in terms of adultery and sin and even just faith and restoration of, of the purity from from Joe's perspective. I think there's a lot of different ways, but also you can even take it from a class or racial perspective, too, where Zora Neale Hurston is known for kind of putting on the outskirts of her town the white influence. The white characters aren't in the story in the same way that they're not in the, her short story, Sweat, but their influence and uh, class and, and racial oppression is felt in this story as they are lower class, and it's rare for a man like Otis D. Slemons, a black man, to reach a wealthy status. Yeah, you can definitely feel the influence, you know, pushing in on these characters to try to strive to be more or emulate other things that they don't have. So it's interesting to me, the narration, because we start off on Missy May, and usually you start off on the protagonist. You start out on the hero, but you kind of maybe you do have some back and forth, but it kind of shifts over to Joe for the majority of the story after that. Did you notice that? No, I kind of missed that the first time through of that it, it felt like it kind of went back and forth between them equally. But as you kind of pointed out, I feel that there is definitely that transition of that movement away from Missy May into Joe as the kind of main character of the story for about three quarters of it. You know, and I know a lot of people like to write in terms of analysis on, on Zora Neale Hurston, the biblical angle, right? You have this Edenic view in a lot of her stories, whether it be like in Sweat, how she had this Eden-like village. Here you can see that there's this very pure white house that they're living in, and it's very Adam and Eve in a sense. But let's pretend you just you just threw that aside, and we just look at the story from a non-illusion perspective. It's very Hollywood, right? These two characters are over the top in the first half of this story with how in love they are, right? Like the, the way they profess and use these hyperboles that say that they don't need anything else in this world, not even food or water. I just need you, honey. Like, like it's really over the top. In a sense, it's a gilded relationship with the appearance of perfection versus underneath. Maybe things aren't as pure as we expect. Yeah, for sure. Definitely it's kind of sickening here how she writes that, but I think that it's on purpose to push you to one extreme to see how that's going to be pulled away and then how you get back to that slowly working towards a repaired relationship. Yeah, it, it is very much a, 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 a hallmark sickening feeling, right? <laughs> Well, I'm going to bring up if for loyal viewers that watch, you know, videos of ours, if you were watching our cathedral video, do you remember the Hebrew word for knowledge? Yada. Yada, right? To know or to have knowledge, right? Knowledge, a lot of times we think is just purely intellectual, right? To know something, to know that a relationship is good. 
But yada goes deeper. It means to actually have intimacy with the subject, sometimes implying loyalty, sometimes employing empathy in the subject. So in a sense, having yada allows one to see past the appearances and deception on the surface of things in the same way that this couple didn't actually have knowledge of each other. They talk about living for each other and, oh, I only slept with Slemons for the money. But at the same time, they didn't see it coming. They didn't actually have the intimacy or even loyalty to each other to see this moment coming. So I think this kind of teaches us that, you know, there are a lot of layers to our relationships. And here we're kind of seeing that, you know, Joe believes one thing, she believes another thing. And they're just, they're not communicating to each other what, you know, they really want here. Uh, and I think she's kind of tying in a lot of those biblical elements as well. So let's let's bring in those biblical elements. And this is something that's been written about before. It's not like we're breaking news here. But, you know, whether you want to compare it to Eden, right, in this identic, identic world where Eve and, and Adam are thrust out into the world just through some type of, you know, initial sin, there's actually an even better comparison here. Are you familiar with the book of Hosea? Uh, that's Joe's book, right? <laughs> in a sense, right? Joe is Hosea in this story. So if we just take the first opening section, it's actually kind of interesting. The whole Old Testament is basically man betrays God. God, God makes a promise to man. Man betrays God. And then God forgives man, right? Like over and over and over and over again. It's, it's really, it's really like a central theme to the Old Testament. Well, Pretty typical. Hose- yeah. So in in Hosea, God basically tells Hosea he's going to marry a woman of harlotry. She'll cheat on him. They'll raise babies, and he's just got to love her. And that's exactly what happens. Hosea goes out and marries a woman named Gomer. It it doesn't go into full backstory, but basically she kind of cheats on him, but they, they continue to push the relationship together. Why? This was all meant to be kind of a symbol of God's love to Israel at the time. The idea that he would always come back to them, he would always love them, even though they constantly betrayed him in the same way of, you know, adultery in the sense. It was all meant to be a symbol to say that he would always love them in return. And scholars will point out that there's a a lot of heavy influences here in this story in the same way that you have prostitution and paying for sex. You have Slemons paying for sex in this story. You have Hosea having this adulterous wife and ultimately coming back, Joe coming the Hosea of the story, coming back to love her and to put faith and love back into the relationship. It's hard, but it's that idea that appearances aren't always as they seem. You must have loyalty. You must have that yada, that knowledge and intimacy with someone and put effort into it to make that relationship truly work. And I think that brings us back to the idea of the gilded where everything appears different on the outside and what is on the inside is what truly matters. And that's going to help you move forward for, you know, Joe and Missy May. So I think a lot of people sometimes maybe debate the ending of this of this uh, short story. How did you interpret the ending of this? So for me, I kind of looked at the ending and I took the different pieces of, okay, you have the word gilded, you have Joe who, you know, is, is been, you know, cheated on, you have Missy May who has been kind of the gold digger and their relationship is being tested just like we see in many Bible verses. 
And I think that Zora's trying to say here that this relationship is stronger because of the problems that they've gone through and that they're going to be able to raise their family and be better off in the end. So I was actually kind of positive and optimistic because he, what does he do at the very end of the story? He finally gets rid of that golded 50 cent piece. Uh, he, he gets rid of that gilded piece because he gave it back to her after, you know, they had relations and she's kind of like, you can't get rid of this thing. And then finally he does say, you know what? I've truly forgiven you. He buys her candy with that gilded piece, gives her those candies and they, they truly started to mend their relationship. You know, a line for me that, that meant a lot for me for the story was creation obsessed him. He thought about children. They had been married more than a year now. They had money put away. They ought to be making little feet for his shoes. A little boy would be about right. And, and you know, even if you didn't take the illusion side of things, just the the pure joy and over-the-top element of the beginning, the Hollywood, you know, gilded production in the beginning was, was very enjoyable. But this man was all about creation, right? Creation obsessed him. And arguably... A baby is the ultimate form of creation. The ultimate form that obsessed him was this moment of creation. And it's also kind of symbolic of that love and that loyalty of recreating the relationship too. That to me, I would like to assume that this is a positive way forward for them, that this was just Hosea returning to Gomer. This is Joe returning to, you know, Missy May, that creation is is the idea, the ultimate beauty and purpose of life is kind of how I interpreted the story that I think it is meant for us to apply that they did move live on happily ever after for this story oh so you picked up on the positive vibes too <laughs> mm, can't keep me away ever the romantic so Zora 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 writing such a beautiful story if you would like to check out more of our Zora Neil Hurston talks we'll leave a playlist down below because we are doing their eyes we're watching God here coming up soon Crypto, moving into subjective ratings, what are you going to give this one? She nails it again. I don't think that she's ever written a bad piece for us yet, has she? She's like our new Tolstoy, but better. I'm going to give this one an easy nine all around, one rating. Absolutely love this story. Can't recommend it enough. She does wonders you know, with this piece, uh, talking about relationships and communication. And we should truly kind of think of what is on the inside might be more important than what is on the outside because looks can be deceiving. Zora, 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 if there's one thing, if this video convinced one teacher to assign this in a class or convinced one person, one person out there, if you go out and read this and you hadn't read it yet, I feel like we have done our job and I'll feel this video was a success. If someone else can just enjoy this, this story the same way that we have, I'm gonna go with a nine. I, I Zora doesn't write bad stories. That, that's just all you need. To know. Yeah. You're going to enjoy this one no matter what. So with that said, guys, make sure you hit that subscribe button to join us on the literature invention. We post videos every Monday and Thursday. If that sounds like you make sure you join us. Una out. Peace.